0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Where Do We Begin, I'm pumped for you guys to be all here in this one, my name is Harper, I'll be your co-host today and my other co-host goes by the name of Lockie. how are you Lockie?
1: Mate I'm really good, I'm just super excited to get this next episode out, I think it's one of our best yet, we have current Australian basketball player, 2016 Olympian and NBA player Ryan Brockoff on and I'm just super excited.
0: Yeah, it's a huge one. I'm super excited for you to all get to know Ryan. He's a great guy, uh, and I reckon we should just get straight into it. Let's go. Well, we spoke about it in the intro. This is an absolutely huge guest. He's played in the NBA, he's played in the Olympics, he's played in World Cups, and of course, he's played in Frankston. He is one of Australia's best basketballers. He goes by the name of Ryan Rowdy Brockoff. And Ryan, I reckon that's a nickname with a bit of an interesting
2: story. Uh, no, not really, actually. It, it, I got it when I was sort of 14 or 15, and um, I was sort of the tall, quiet, kid real quiet um and uh, my basketball coach obviously you know playing sports communication and, and talking and stuff's very important when you're running the floor or on the field or, or whatever it is and basically I didn't say anything to anyone <laughs> at any time and um the coach basically sort of stopped training um because I wasn't speaking and and sort of said you know gave me a bit of a rev up and he's like you know what I'm gonna start calling you rowdy until you start like talking and, and being that way, and it uh, it definitely has stuck since then.
1: Yeah, I found that um, with my involvement in sporting teams, normally the best players are normally pretty loud. So were you still one of the best players on your team at the time?
2: Um, we had a really strong team um, going through. Like that uh, that age group ended up winning um, under-16s um, BC, which is basically the best team in Victoria. Um, so we had a really good team, and... Um, I was one of the, the better players, but I don't know if I can say I was I was the best back then.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I read an article from Forbes, which I think I did on you the other day. And so you're training at a local YMCA gym at the moment. Is that correct?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Got to, uh, got to find a way to to get work in wherever I can at the moment. And with thing with things still somewhat shut down over here, that's uh, that's been the easiest place to get into. It has a basketball court and um, a weights room. So that's uh that's all you need
1: yeah has it has everything you need do you get recognized a bit when you're down there i mean it'd be pretty crazy if i'm just there i'm just you know bench pressing my 40 kilos and then i turn around there's an <laughs> nba player next to me just smashing 220 flat
2: <laughs> oh, must be thinking that someone else not me but, um, uh, a few times yeah a few times i get recognized and um people here in dallas are a big Mavs fans, so so when i do that they're, they're super great about it and like oh we miss you on the Mavs and um, you know they don't sort of come up and like interrupt me or or anything like that they kind of wait until um, you know I'm finished shooting or you know between you know sets in in the weight room just to you know kind of come say hello and say they're big fans and um, so it's it's been nice to to have that sort of recognition for for my short time over here
1: yeah have you been challenged any one-on-one games while in the gym has any fan come up and challenged you
2: no, not yet, so uh, I'm waiting for that time uh, <laughs> play a little horse or something for, for some money, you know, <laughs> I've done
0: Yeah, I noticed you've picked, up, you've picked up a bit of an American accent, but you grew up uh, down here in Victoria, in Melbourne, uh, so I want to get a bit of a sense, you're a bit older than both of us, what was the basketball scene like in the 90s, in the early 2000s when you were growing up here?
2: It was, it, it, to me anyway, it felt massive. Um, thanks for picking on me with the, uh, the accent, you <laughs> over here too long. Um, marrying an American woman probably isn't helping the case either. So, um, you know, it was, it was basically all consuming for, for me growing up. And, um, you know, Frankston was, especially during my time, such a, you know, big, strong club. And, um, once I kind of got into that system, everything else opened up and, um, we had a really good team that went through um and we all basically stayed together that uh, the whole junior program which is which is pretty rare and, and it's pretty special you know those guys are still some of my closest friends right now um but you know that that opened up stuff with you know state tryouts and uh it was called itcp back then which was sort of early morning training intensive training for you know Guys that uh, kids that they thought may you know go on to to more or to play in the state team and things like that. So you know it was it, it became an every day that I had something going on basketball wise during during that time and um, it was uh, it was a fun time but it was it was really busy.
0: Did you have particular heroes in the NBA or maybe even
2: NBL back in the day? Um, I sort of looked up to more Australians when I was growing up. Um, Andrew Gay, Shane Hill, um, those kind of guys. It was, um, you know, I didn't have Foxtel growing up. Um, so, you know, getting NBA game, games was just not something that, that I really got a chance to watch. Um, when I'd go to friends on weekends and things like that, then yeah, we'd, we'd watch some games. And for some reason, it was always like Dallas and my friend Ben, who uh, who I spent a lot of time with growing up. He was a big, Tim Duncan Spurs fan. So for some reason it was always Dallas Spurs and I kind of leaned more towards sort of Dirk and, and watching the Mavs. So it was kind of funny when and everything came full circle and, and I got my time here.
1: Yeah, that's crazy how you got picked up by Dallas and supporting them. I just want to jump back a little bit. So why basketball? Why did you choose that over, say, football? Because I know you're a massive Cats fan, which we love. <laughs> I'm a Cats fan too. In fact, the grand final was on in the background, so I had to turn it off. It was still a bit too painful. But why basketball over footy?
2: Um, it was just sort of a – it felt natural. It came natural. Uh, I think my mom sort of noticed that I had a love for it from from a really young age. Um, Both my parents played um, down at Frankston and and Chelsea back in the day and um, like dad was on the Frankston Bears when they they played one season in the NBL and mum still played a bit after having us kids and she would sort of say like she would take us down to, to Frankston Stadium and she would play and all the other siblings would be running around causing a whatever young kids do. And and I'd be sort of sitting on the bench with a basketball in hand and and just watching the game. And, um, I think, yeah, she just sort of saw that it was something that I gravitated towards from, from a young age. And, you know, I I played a little footy growing up and, um, really enjoyed it and, and wasn't too bad at it, but I was sort of a tall and very thin kid and, um, basketball was was starting to take off as i was starting to get into footy as well and and just sort of made the decision to focus on basketball and make sure that you know i didn't get hurt or um you know do anything to to hurt my chances of of playing basketball which was sort of my, my first love and and my true sporting love you know now uh i love watching afl that's that's definitely something that i do regularly over here and um, always tuned into the Cats games, but uh, the basketball sort of, that first love.
0: We, we've probably got a few American listeners listening to this. So I don't want to talk about footy too much, but were you a key back, key forward, ruckman? What was your position?
2: So half forward, uh, taking forward. big marks and kicking snags. So it was yeah. uh, it was fine, and then sort of pinch, pinch hitting the ruck um, back then as well. So uh, definitely enjoyed my time down at uh, I played for Lange actually with, with a couple of mates. Oh. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of get a little bit, but it was, it was fun back then. Did
1: you play with, I'm trying to think, did you play with Mark Bagley or Luke Parker? Cause they might've been around your age.
2: So there, I know Luke Parker is about two years younger than I am. Um, I'm not sure about the the other guy you said. Um, but I know Luke pretty well cause he played, um, down at Frankston basketball as well. And, um, yeah, I've sort of known Luke for for a long, long time, but but no, not not footy wise. I was a couple of years older. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and not as good as him, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: I think you were like scouted. It was, back to basketball. You were scouted in the ALS, <laughs> weren't you, in your final year? I don't think you were even starting, but you got scouted when you're playing at the Institute of Sport.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I did for my eighteen months, two years at. Up in Canberra at the AS and and loved that time and you know that's as bad as competitive for Australian basketball as you can get for for juniors. Um, so I went through like Matthew Delvadova, me and him went through at the same time and um, some other you know players that have played in the NBL and and gone over to college in the states and it was it was a really strong year and you know I was I was decent there definitely not a standout definitely. Um, not the not the guy every college sort of came out to see but uh luckily enough Valparaiso who who I went with um were one of those colleges that that did take notice and and did sort of pursue a little bit and um there wasn't too many others so everything worked out just perfectly uh with them
1: yeah I was gonna ask um a little birdie told me that yeah Valparaiso actually came to check out somebody else on the AIS and then they just saw you and uh they chose you could you speak a little bit more about that
2: yeah, they they came to look at I believe Cody Ellis, um, who's you know six foot eight, could do it all back then. Um, really, really good player. Um, uh, son of uh, Mike Ellis, who played a long time in the NBL. Um, so I think they came originally to look at him, and um, I, he ended up going to St. Louis. I'm not sure if he did that before. Or, They'd sort of came after me, or if they were just sort of covering their bases and, and sort of checking on a few players. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of got told that they're watching game film on, on him and sort of noticed this skinny kid running around shooting three. So they sort of inquired, and, and the rest is history,
0: yeah, yeah. And then, like, going over to America, obviously, just everything's bigger compared to Australia and their college life is just completely different so was a bit of a culture shock to you moving
2: over there at a pretty young age luckily um the AAS does a great job of preparing you for for that sort of change um I moved over there when I was 16 I believe um you know I left home and moved up to Canberra to live on very similar to a college campus a, a campus but it's just sports, we went to a, a local high school um, to finish off year 12 there. But, you know, it's it's kind of similar, like you, you – except for, you know, having the, the classes where you are, you just had to take a bus. But it was very um, regimented and, and you, you know, you had to work around you, your um, – like lifting schedule and your practice schedule and your trainings and everything around your schooling and as well as you know making sure you're eating the right things and, and doing all the right stuff. Uh, the big change obviously is going from, you know, still in Australia, an hour flight or whatever from home to the other side of the country and, and really not knowing anyone, you know, not having played against anyone or, or met anyone through, through all the different programs there are and for, for um, you know, junior basketball in Australia. So that was a big thing and, and um, you know, just sort of lining your feet over here takes a little bit of time. Luckily, you know, I had the basketball team was sort of the um, the rock that I could kind of always go back to and you make friends with your teammates first and then as you get more comfortable, be able to immerse yourself in, in the college experience and, um, you know, for a small um division one school like Valparaiso you know I I love my time there and wouldn't change anything
1: yeah I was going to uh, I want to ask you about the college experience now our previous guest we had on was John Hillerman and so he's a footballer he um played for the Giants and he went to like Boston College and Rutgers and he said that yeah his college life he said it was like it was pretty crazy I don't have you seen the show BMS Blue Mountain State Yes. Yeah. He said. Yeah. He goes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Some of the stuff that happened on Blue Mountain Day happened. happened at, at my college. And I was wondering if you had a similar experience. I think it might have been a bit different for you.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a little, uh, <laughs> little different. So I think we had, forty-five hundred maybe in the entire college, and it's a, It was a private, you know, Lutheran, um, faith-based. Um, college so uh, there was also no drinking allowed on oh, campus or so the dry campus yeah so I don't know what I was thinking when I signed <laughs> on but no it uh, it was uh, in college you sort of especially in small ones you, you get to know everyone and even though you see the same people at parties and, and things like that you still. You still find ways to have fun, and, um, but it's definitely not up to that Blue Mountain State uh, <laughs> kind of level.
1: Have you watched that yet, Harper? Have you checked it out? No, nah,
0: no, nah, I haven't had a chance to check it out. Actually, <laughs> would you recommend it? Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, is it, is it Netflix or where no, can I oh, find it's it? it's
1: not on Netflix anymore.
0: Is, it isn't? Oh, where can nah. I check it out? Oh, uh, I'm not too Russian. sure.
1: Jeez. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure. Yeah, well, I uh, have to find that out. If any listeners know where to find Blue Mountain State, is it? Send in send in a text, send in a message to the show, and I'll check it out. But, um, we're speaking about college. Uh, was like, did you get big crowds at your games? Obviously, like a bit of a smaller uh, school compared to some of the other ones. Uh, what was the pressure like and the atmosphere and the crowds?
2: Um, being a small college, um, we didn't have the, the Enormous arenas like like some schools do, but um, the Ark is is what it was called the athletes recreation center. Um, it uh, I'm not sure what the capacity was, but but basketball in Indiana is is live is life and death. Um, and being sort of a college town, you know it's 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 the main it's the main sports team around, and the uh, the support from you know not just the college but the community was pretty amazing um during that time and, and we always had pretty full crowds and especially as we're playing um better and better as as my time there went on um you know we, we would sell out and, and you it just felt it felt like any big stadium that you played in, like the noise was fantastic, and everyone from the community was so supportive. And you know, you'd see people as you're walking down the street, and they'd be like, "You know, good game the other day." And it, it really was um, a community, I guess.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Now I've got a question to ask, and I'm sure you're you'd be expecting it. Uh, t- tell us about your semi the semifinal, and I think your senior year, and tell us about those last twenty seconds because <laughs> it's one is one of the craziest ends to a basketball game I've seen.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it, uh, it it I think I get the update every year of, of, from that time, and I've played the shot only a few hundred times. Um, but it uh, it's it's a special moment and, and something that I'll be able to look back on for when I'm done. Is, is definitely a a highlight and a, a every kid, I guess, playing basketball, you know, or any sport, you know. Has uh, has dreamed about hitting the final shot or kicking the goal off the siren, or um you know, it's it's a a dream that I I got to live out and. Here we go! Five seconds left. Here comes Ryan back. Broke up. Drives. Cut off. Tough fadeaway shot. It's
1: Ryan broke it. Yeah. fade three-pointer.
2: Oh, an my my shot. My <laughs> shot. Wow.
0: Yeah, check, check it out, I out on YouTube. Through, I reckon. Horizon <laughs> League semifinal 2012-13 season. It's bloody
2: amazing clip. It's, Thank yeah. you, guys. Um, yeah, we, we were semifinals with a number one seed. Basically, you had to win the tournament to make it through to the NCAA tournament. Um, so even though we won the regular season, that it basically comes down to winning your conference tournament. Um, so we were playing Green Bay at home. Um, that's the luxury of finishing first all the games are, are played at home. And yeah, they they really played um, one you know great game against us and and kind of really had us in the in the towards the end. And I think we were down maybe f- I think it was four points. I think we were down four points with. 15 seconds left or something and we come down and we ran a play, I, I believe it was for me, and, and they kind of blew it up and we ended up swinging the ball to, to Matt Kenny and he had to corner three over a seven-footer, you know, contested tough shot to bring us back within one and um, maybe five or six seconds left. Um, so we're pressing, they get the ball in, I foul. Um, their seven-footer was really skilled, you know, more of a stretch Big than a, than an inside um, So I found him And he's 75 I think career Free throw shooter And He's got two shots And We're kind of like oh, We're in a bit of trouble here um, If you play the right clip It kind of Cuts to our bench <laughs> And Guys are Head in their hands And You know Looking up at the sky Like You know This is our Our last chance You know There were so many guys That, that I went through with That it was sort of Our last year together Our senior year You know, this was kind of it. This was our last chance to to make to the tournament. Kind of, you know, I was kind of hitting them that it was probably going to be done. And um, he ends up coming down. He he makes the first. um, And then he leaves it short on the second. And we've got five seconds or six seconds. Um, The center, Kevin, grabs a rebound, gives it to me. And and we kind of just said, you know, we'll, we'll sort of just play it how they... If he misses, then basically it's just get us down the other end and, and try and make a play, whether it's a three or a two, send it over time, or we'll kind of uh, just just play this kind of, um, you know, I'd, I'd been the, the sort of the, the leader and the, the uh, I guess, go-to guy uh, for the last couple of seasons. So it was kind of put in my hands and um, I was really thinking of when I was coming down the court that I was going to sort of cross up, cross over and, and try and get to the hoop and just sort of get a layup up and, and force over time. We'll try and win it there. Um, so I'm bringing it sort of the mid, bring it down the middle on the, on the left side and I cross left to right. Um, I see a Sienna that just passed it to me, sort of run next to me. And, uh, I kind of fumble as I'm trying to sort of bring it back and, you know, we're kind of in each other's way. And, um, I pulled it back and sort of know the time's just about to go and there, center or power forward switched out and I was basically, you know, I have to just get something up. You can't, can't just go up and just not get a shot up and, and give us no hope and sort of took a step back and sort of rose up and he rose up and I was like, I'm going to have to sort of double clutch this because he might get to it um, and just sort of threw it in, in complete hope. That uh, it was heading towards the basket, and um, yeah, just sort of didn't didn't think it was going to go in. You know, just the, how it felt coming out of the hands and what type of shot it was, and um, just sort of watched it and it was like, oh, it's going straight at least. You know, and I'm falling back, and um, I think I end up landing on the ground. And I see it go in, and I didn't know what to do. I just sort of jumped up and started running around and. Um, the place exploded, and it's it's you know something that I can still recall, as you can tell, <laughs> pretty vividly.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. What was the celebration like after this shot? Wasn't like I think it might have been OG from the Raptors when he hit that shot against the Celtics in the playoffs, and he just didn't celebrate it. Always just because he expected it to go. And was it a pretty crazy <laughs> celebration
2: afterwards? Though it was it was me running around, fans were <laughs> crazy. I was I was expecting the court to to everyone from <laughs> the stands to come out. Um, but, um, yeah, we kind of ran around and the teammates caught me and sort of piled on. And and then the referees had to, you know, take a look at it and make sure that I got it off and, and to make sure that it was a three. And we all went back to the benches. Um, and I, I sort of knew. I was like, it's definitely three. I definitely got it off. Like I was – I knew, but it's still that little voice in the back of your head like, did you? Did you? Oh, yeah. um, but Had yeah, you made was, a shot like that before? Uh, not, not, not in in that kind of context, not with that much sort of on the line and, and the difficulty of it. I've you know you've hit fit shots to, to tie games and, and, and shots down the stretch to sort of ice games and, and, and like that, but, uh, but not to that degree of difficulty and, and not with sort of the season on the line. So it really what, what makes it so special.
1: Mate, I'm just picturing when you're saying running around. Do you remember Harry Taylor when he when um, Isaac Smith missed that shot in the 2016 final <laughs> when he just
2: ran the whole field? Was that a bit like just very similar to that without the uh, without the uh, the hobbling look? <laughs> I love I love H so. Uh,
1: oh, mate, I'm devastated. He's retired. I love him too.
0: Yeah, retired just like a week ago. I think it's a bit sad. Always consistent play, even not as a Geelong fan, just universally admired. I reckon, but. Mate, you mm-hmm. must have been like absolutely cloud nine after that, like semi final, just the perfect end to a game for you, really. But then, like, must be a bit of a letdown going undrafted in the uh, NBA draft. So, how did that feel for you? Were you expecting to be drafted?
2: No, not particularly. Um, you know, I only did a, a few um, pre draft workouts with teams and. Yeah, I, I didn't think. I thought it was sort of a long shot if if it was to happen, you know. But six six non athletic um, skinny guy um, that just shoots threes. Sort of, you know, it, the basketball hadn't sort of changed like it has in the last year or two. I was going
1: to say you just described just about the perfect player shoots threes <laughs> for today's game. <laughs> yeah, the basketball so was so different work. ten years ago, wasn't it?
2: Oh, ten years ago, mate. Jeez, was seven. Um <laughs> do it, do it, lucky Sorry. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh definitely changed um, suited towards, you know, the the skill set I have. But yeah, I wasn't wasn't you know, I, I had hopes and, and things that that it would happen, but I was pretty realistic that it that it wouldn't and uh, I'd already sort of sprocked Major an and and would kind of sort of planned um, for the European um option and 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 how that would work and um someone like joe ingles is is the perfect um sort of player for me to career path to follow like he went over after the nbl went over to europe and played some really big teams and did well and then made the jump over to the nba and i was like well you know that can be my plan and we're with the same agency and, and everything like that so so you know trust trust what they were doing and um you know not not sort of put everything live and die that you know i got to play in the NBA or whatever, just, just sort of go where basketball takes me and, and if I continue to improve and, and stuff, then there's always going to be chance for me to, to make the jump back over and, and try the NBA.
1: Yeah, 100%. I was going to ask about that. So you decided to go play in Europe. Were there any thoughts on coming over to play in the NBL and why Turkey out of like all the different European leagues? I'd be really interested to know, as well as what your thoughts were in going to a – different country I guess you'd already experienced that moving to America
2: um no MBO not really um excuse me sort of finishing up in the AAS I had I guess you know my only options basketball wise were to go to college or to it um, was a developmental spot on an NBL team, so you sit on the end of the bench. You, you really don't play in any games. Um, you just train with the team, but you don't even travel with the team. And I think you get maybe five or ten grand for the for the whole season. Mm. And it just it didn't seem like the best avenue for me um, to keep improving. You know, I'm I'm sort of a firm believer that you need to be playing games competitively. Um, to improve, you can do all you want to do with training, but if you're not able to sort of take it to the game and and use it, then then what's the point?
1: Yeah. What um, about um after you finished college, did you ever consider going to the NBL instead of um Europe?
2: No, no. I mean there was there was obviously better offers after I'd finished college, and, and quite a few NBL teams have reached out, and you know have reached out over the over the last whatever my career has been, seven years now, um, just sort of seeing if the time's right for me to come back. And it, it just hasn't got to that stage yet. Um, you know, the, the opportunities over in Europe and, and in the NBA are sort of too hard to pass up. Um, and, you know, w- my first contract in Turkey was was a really strong contract. It was sort of hard to turn down from, um, from an opportunity standpoint to go play on a... a Pretty strong um, team in Turkey, which has one of the strongest leagues, top to bottom, and and make some you know decent money as well. Coming straight out of college, and you know not, not being able to use my degree really for anything, um, unless I you know went back and, and studied a few more years. It just it, it seemed like the the best avenue for for basketball, and I was like, if, if I'm gonna if I'm ever going to, you know, make a, a job out of playing basketball, then, then this is the route I need to take and these are the steps I need to, to follow and um, I may as well completely dive in and instead of sort of half and half, you know, half worrying about school and half worrying about basketball, just, just sort of dive in and, and focus, make it make it my, you know, top priority.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm a big um, football soccer fan and I know the uh, team you played for, Basiktas, they've got a – uh, football team as well. And they're one of the big three in Turkey. They're absolutely huge. It's like just a huge thing in Turkey, but look, what's it like playing for a big club like that? And just like living in Turkey, Istanbul in general,
2: Istanbul is beautiful. Loved my time there. Loved it. Um, it's a great mix of everything. You know, uh, it's got great history. Um, you know, I went down to, uh, Gallipoli, uh, one year when I had a few mates come over, um, you know, there's so much history there uh, from the Ottoman Empire and and old mosques and and, um, historical buildings that you you can get to go explore that we we don't really have in Australia. Um, And then just from – it's got, you know, a great mix of all cultures and, you know, Western influence and, you know, Eastern influence and great food and it it really was an amazing city and and the people were very friendly, although – not everyone spoke English, which made things interesting. Um, they were very welcoming and the fans of Besiktas are some of the, uh, most devout fans you'll ever see anywhere. So, um, I would definitely enjoy my time and, and, and still get messages from fans from Besiktas. you know, saying, come back, come back. Mm-hmm. You know, we miss you. So it's, it's pretty sweet. Did you try to learn any Turkish? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, me my, um, now wife, um, did quite a bit of sort of we, we got the Rosetta Stone and we're like I was there for two years and uh, after that we uh, had agreed on a extension for another couple of years so we're like let's let's dive in and, and really get fluent we, we got pretty good at just sort of getting by day to day but as far as holding conversations and, and that we were still uh, very much learning so probably forgot most of it now but um, you know it was it was a fun experience to try and learn another language as you kind of immersed in it
0: and then moving over to Russia uh,
2: just pretty soon after you did you try to learn any russian yeah, a little bit just just enough to get by day to day. The only bad thing about the countries that I played in is that they 're basically just spoken in the, those countries um, you know if I went to Spain and learned spanish it's it 's a little bit you know, more uh, widespread. So we just kind of learned the basics enough to get by. Um, but you know, with, with European basketball, you a lot of players move around quite a lot. So I wasn't going to sort of uh, invest all that time into learning the language like I kind of did in Turkey and then move without really uh, becoming fluent.
1: Yeah, what was it like living in Russia? I, I don't know anybody that's lived or been to Russia, but it sounds, seems like such an interesting country and I'd love to get there one day.
2: Yeah, it, it it very it is very interesting. I mean, it's it's a closed border, so it's uh, it's pretty tough to get into. Um, but it was um, you know, especially the the big cities, Moscow, Saint Petersburg, beautiful cities, um, cold, really cold, <laughs> um, but beautiful cities. Again, lots of lots of history. Um, the, the food's probably not as nice as it was in 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 uh, Turkey, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun and and we spent three years there and we loved our time and um again you know as as you became more comfortable there and then people um sort of accepted you they were super friendly and and uh and uh you know it's a it's a pretty unique experience that we got to experience of, of spending time there.
0: Yeah, for me personally, when I think of the big basketball countries, the leagues, I don't really think of Turkey and Russia, but what's the quality like compared to the college and the NBA and Australia, like maybe the AIS? Uh,
2: They're probably – I think the rankings of countries basketball strength-wise over in Europe is sort of Spain one, Turkey two, Russia three – yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money in, in basketball over in, in those countries. And, um, you know, Spain um, produced so many great, you know, talents that not just playing the NBA but, but in their own um, local league. So, you know, those are sort of the big three um, money-wise and, and competition-wise and um, very competitive leagues. Um, Travel is pretty tough in Russia just because it's so big and, um, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the times you'd have to fly through Moscow to then fly elsewhere. So Krasnodar, where I was, was sort of two hours south of Moscow, um, quite, you know, quite a Southern point of Russia. So we'd have to fly two hours in the wrong direction to then fly wherever else. So it made a lot of road trips long and, and, uh, and pretty challenging, but, um, yeah, it's it's it, it's all worth it in the end.
1: So I just want to touch on now the uh, the two thousand and sixteen Olympics. So like what was it like to represent your country at the Olympic Games? I mean, it'd it obviously be pretty special. And just tell us a little bit about what that experience was like playing with fellow countrymen like Paddy Mills, Joe Ingalls, Matthew Dover. Like, there's a pretty talented team.
2: Yeah, there's, there's been no greater achievement of mine than, than playing in the Olympics and, and playing for Australia. Um, it's still sort of hard to talk about uh, the the whole ending and experience of it. Um, there was so much fun about mind. that
1: Aussie team, wasn't there? I just remember yeah, being Yeah, it
2: really was. And, and we're right there and, and it kind of comes down to a 50-50 foul call right at the end of the game um, that doesn't go away, And, um, you yeah, know, it's sort of just heartbreaking being so close to being part of the first um, Australian team to have ever medaled in the Olympic or Olympic Games, or world championship. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's time for retribution, um, Tokyo 2021.
1: Yeah, tell us about that. I think it was a game against America where we lost by like 10 points, but Australia really pushed them, and that was sort of just where we all sort of like everybody stood up and took notice with Australia basketball and thought these guys are a real chance of taking home a medal here.
2: Yeah, well, as you sort of said, the names earlier, it, it's such a strong um, group of Players, you know, we've got a great presence here in the NBA, and the development of the NBL has just gone strength to strength. And and, and guys have also gone over to Europe and, and made, you know, great careers for themselves and improved. So there's so much competition just to make the team that it's really improved everyone and, and and pushed everyone to get to a new level just to to be able to put on the green and gold. And and once you're sort of um, in it, that sort of camaraderie and and Love of country and you know brotherhood and and uh, and everything that you kind of hear about Australian sports really comes out of you and and the passion and um, it is sort of hard to to put into words. It's it's completely different to playing professionally, where it's where it's more of you know a job than uh, and playing for the love of it. But the Olympics is just it, it really is. It's love of country and love love playing basketball and and, and wanting to represent Australia the, the best way you can.
0: Yeah, actually, just on that, uh, we actually had a listener get in touch and ask you a question that you covered the answer to. Uh, Xavier underscore you come in on Instagram, asked what it's like playing for Oz. But uh, as like I probably don't watch as but ba- as I definitely don't watch as much basketball as either of you two. And I remember watching that uh, game against Spain and just being like so into it, and so uh, like I've never been into a basketball game more, tournament more. And I was just so shattered at the end of it. I'm just. Uh, I don't really know much about basketball at all, to be honest, but that was just heartbreaking, man. It was, yeah, tough game, eh?
1: Yeah, you played really well as well, Ryan. You didn't miss a shot, five for five.
2: It's about time I hit some shots during that <laughs> tournament. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very bittersweet um, memory to, to look back on, um, yeah, being so close. But, mm. again, nothing nothing. there's nothing like playing for, for your country in Olympic Games.
1: Well, looking forward to seeing you out there again in 2021 in Tokyo.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you've played at World Cups as well, obviously. what's What are they like compared to Olympic Games? What's their pressure like and their just level of play
2: like? Pressure is very much the same, and the level of play is, is just as strong. Um, you're probably just missing out on, on the full experience of the Olympic scene, all the other athletes, um, all the other competitions, you know. Um, when we could trying to you know go out and see um, other events just to you know you're in you're in the presence of the best athletes um, on earth and then sort of seeing how they prepare and then how they work and just how far you can push your body uh, to be the best uh, at what you do is, is pretty inspiring and and, uh, and fun for me to go and watch.
1: Okay now so we'll fast forward a little bit here till it's now 2018 and you've made the decision to come across and uh, go to the, go to the NBA. Is it true that you actually took a pay cut to go to the NBA? And I guess how did it come about that you got picked up by Dallas?
2: Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I, before getting signed by Dallas, I'd signed a, a two-year deal um, with one of the Turkish powerhouses in basketball. Um, um, so that deal was was done, and it it had an NBA out just in, um, sort of written in just in case because there had been quite a bit of NBA interest. Um, and then yeah I, I basically signed that deal and a few days later as so my wife and I were sort of taking some time off because before that I think I'd worked out for seven or eight NBA teams in the span of two weeks or something like that like I it was just hectic, basically yeah. traveling yeah. And trying to you know show what I could do and, and and go to sort of individual workouts for teams and it'd been pretty yeah pretty hectic so i we we kind of gotten away after that was finished and free agency had begun and um, sort of sitting back, relaxing, you know, enjoying our, our time during the American summer and get a phone call from the agency just sort of saying, you know, you, m- you may be hearing something from the Mavs. They've shown some interest and call back about an hour later saying, you know, they've, they've put a deal for, for, you know, two years, one year sort of guaranteed, um, you know, this could be a really good opportunity with, you know, they're, they're trying to rebuild and, um, you know, you, m- you may be able to, you know, find some really good opportunities. Um, you know, even though, you know, technically, yes, I, I took a pay card, you know, taxes and everything over here, but um, it felt like the right decision from a career perspective. If I was ever going to make the, the jump and, and give it a try, then this was the time. You know, I was at sort of the perfect age, 28. Um, coming off some really good, strong seasons over in Europe, um, with all that momentum, that you know this was the time to to make the jump and and give it a go. And at least I could look back at sort of one when, when I'm done and say, you know, at, at least I gave it a shot. And if uh, if you know the, the time of the Mavs was basically you know it for me in the NBA, at least I said I've done it. And if not, which I don't feel like um, it is, then you know I, I can sort of say it was a, a, a building block onto something hopefully better. Getting that offer from the
0: Mavs is that just a moment where you're just jumping up and down in excitement all around the room, dancing everywhere, or is it really like focusing and cracking down? I'm in the NBA now. I've really got to crack down and just go to peak performance.
2: Uh, no, it was more sort of cel- celebrating. <laughs> you know, you know I definitely gone the the long way um, uh, to to get here to you know a dream I had since I was a, a little kid. So was more enjoying the moment and and, and celebrating and calling and, and texting everyone once it was released. And, um, yes, yeah, sort we're of trying to share the, the good news and um, the excitement heading into, you know, my, my first NBA season.
1: Yeah, so you're a fan favourite in Dallas. Now, we got a second nickname. Uh, how did you get the nickname, <laughs> The Accountant? And I love that.
2: <laughs> just Just have a look at me, basically. I don't look, you know, I get told quite regularly, which is... I don't know if it's a good thing or an insult uh, that I don't look thing. like a basketball player. So um, I think it was after a game in Philadelphia, my first year I'd had a really good game. So, you know, didn't really play much beforehand um, if at all leading into that game and we had some injuries and weren't playing well and coach kind of threw me in and I had, you know, sort of my best game today or to that point. And, um, you know, I had some interviews after after the game, and you know, I come out of the shower with sort of you know slick back hair and glasses on, and um, not looking like a, a basketball player. And sort of, um, the fan section or the uh, the comment section on on the post went uh, went pretty bananas with all different job descriptions. Um, you know, there was uh, um, you know, a salesman or an accountant, or um, you know. A, Maths teacher or uh, phlebotomist, which is people that take blood when you go to the <laughs> doctors, and all sorts of all sorts of uh, pretty hilarious um, job descriptions that, that that I look like I do yeah. instead of being a basketball player. And for some reason, the accountant stuck.
1: Oh, I, I study accounting, so um, I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, <laughs> did, did you study business or anything at um, college? Oh, no, I
2: studied, uh, I studied kinesiology and exercise science. I was heading into like uh, physiotherapy, sort oh, of. Okay. Oh, that was sort of my my uh, post-college uh, career path. Yeah,
0: yeah, fair enough. But um, when you like went to Dallas, obviously getting that offer, it's just probably a surreal feeling for you and you ended up getting starts, getting your debut, getting some points. Was that something you expected and what, what was the feeling like when you just started hitting all those milestones in your career?
2: Yeah, I didn't really know what to kind of expect. It's such a competitive league, and there are so many <laughs> very talented players um, that, that are they're in the NBA. So I just I sort of set little goals for myself, just about getting on the court and, and you know making sure I shoot the ball well. Or, you know, forty percent is sort of the, the the baseline that I want to be shooting three pointers at. Um, so that was more sort of. Um, Goals, but but as as things started to you know, pan out the way they did, and I wasn't playing much, and I was more so just staying mentally and physically ready for when opportunities do arrive, and and taking them when when uh, when I get the chance. And I think Philadelphia that game where I got the nickname was sort of that that no a perfect you know, perfect, um, um, you know uh, for me a perfect answer to to what. You know, I'd let up before, you know, Um, was this, you know, Australian guy that, that doesn't really play much. He's supposed to be a shooter. And, you know, I, I come out and play well after not playing for three or four weeks. So it was more just sort of staying ready. It's, it's, it's a very common term over here about staying ready when, when you're not playing for, for opportunities to come up and to take advantage
1: yeah, it must have been frustrating because every time you got out on the court, your minutes weren't there, but you shot, like you shot over 40, uh, 41% in your first year, 39% second year, and that's obviously awesome numbers, but you just weren't really given the opportunity. How did you deal with that frustration of not getting the pro- playing time that you probably deserved?
2: Um, yeah, it's more so just uh, using it as, as kind of motivation. So, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be playing, so I'd go in and, and do a whole bunch of extra shooting and and work um, just to try and, I guess, vent that frustration and and kind of, you know, the last thing I want to do is is take that sort of frustration or negativity home with me and, and, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, be in a bad mood with my wife or, you know, now with with a young son. So I was just finding outlets to um, release all that and um, I guess Find ways to find joy in, in, in the process and in the the hard work that you put in to, to get here and and to hopefully when opportunities do come to that hard work to pay off. So we're sort of just focusing on that that you know there will be opportunities taken when you can get them and um, hopefully by showing that you know you can perform and, and shoot well that that it will lead to more and more opportunities. Do you reckon there were any times when like maybe your frustration got the better
0: of you and you might have even been thinking? geez, maybe I should have stayed in Turkey, Russia for another couple of years just so I can get even better and then come into an NBA side and maybe start and play regular games.
2: No, I don't think there was ever a point where I thought if I go back to Europe that that's sort of the answer um, to getting back to the NBA. Um, it, it just, if, I, if I go back over to Europe, it, it's probably the end of my NBA journey um which is not a bad thing i love my time over in europe and and basketball over there is great and and you get paid well so it's not like it's a um it's it's a bad thing or or, you know i see it as a, a bad option um it was it was more so just you know um especially dealing with all the travel um you know is is putting in all this time and effort and 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 time away from the family you know is it is it all sort of worth it and that was sort of during you know the real tough times where you know wasn't playing and and things weren't going well and uh especially my first year we we weren't winning any games and you know you always go through all different scenarios in your head about what you could have done or what team should have done or should i have come here or or whatever but um Usually I'm pretty positive and, and, you know, luckily I have great support around me to kind of dig me out of those, those dark holes.
1: Now that's a great attitude. I think to have a like positivity and I feel like you're obviously dealing it with a really mature way. Cause I'm sure everybody knows if things aren't going right with their sport, with their work, it is really easy just to uh, throw the uh, toys out of the cot, but you obviously dealt it in a really mature way. And I think that's commendable and something that I think our listeners could definitely take on board. Now I've got another Question: um, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. You obviously play with some pretty special players. Um, and I think you probably know who I'm going to ask about. Not Doran Finney-Smith, even though I'm a massive fan of his play. Um,
2: <laughs> <but> <laughs> I love Dodo.
1: On there. Oh, man. He played well in the playoffs. I really I really like what he brings to the table. But mm-hmm. I guess, what was it like playing with Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki, two of the best European, I guess, exports to the NBA and to the Mavs?
2: Uh, Dirk, Dirk was, uh, was, was surreal playing with him. Um, you know, a living legend, um, moved around as, as well as about Harry Taylor does. Um, <laughs> but just, uh, just an absolute, uh, rock at, uh, the Mavs, fan, um, the Mavs organization and, um, to be there that final year and, and, and to see him, you know, lace it up, um, just the work he was still putting in at his age and uh what he had to do just to kind of get ready for to play a game was was pretty pretty special to kind of see the the love he has for for the game and um how much the dallas community and and the nba community loves what he's done for the game um so it it was pretty emotional that that last game of his um seeing him finish up and um we, we sort of basically just try to feed him the ball to get him as many points as he kind of could, and um, it was it was a lot of fun, and um, yeah, something that i would cherish to I to spend time with with uh, one of the greats and uh, sort of see the the blossoming of of the next big thing in not just Dallas basketball but the NBA. Um, Lucas special. He's he's a very special. Makes the game look incredibly easy. He reads the game so well plays his own pace and, and to do it all when he was 19 coming into the league was uh, kind of maddening to me because he's 19 years old and he just makes it look easy and, and effortless. And here I am slugging it out. Um, but, uh, but you know, I love that kid and and uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders and and he's uh, he's only going to go on to bigger and better things. And, and hopefully that means... Uh, success for the, the dallas Mavericks going forward
1: yeah 100 percent. and um unfortunately in february this year you were waived which i think was really disappointing because you know you just recently got your first start and you started to play some really solid basketball so that must have been so frustrating for you
2: yeah yeah it was uh it was sort of a little out of the blue yeah um, you know I, I i started playing more um in sort of the, the early mid part of the season, and then um, I got a freak hit and and fractured a bone in my leg, and and that sort of you know put me back again, and and then I sort of was out for for you know a month at least, and and then sort of started to work my way back in, and, and I started a game in Houston, and, and and thought I was starting to sort of play more and and establish myself as as part of the rotation and um you know i heard the rumors that i look inside um kid gilchrist and obviously they have to make room um if they were to bring him in and there's always a chance that the, that it was going to be me but i was i was hoping that sort of my performances were starting to submit me um in the squad but it's a business over here um things change very quickly um you know i was, I was emotional um, when it when it happened, and um, my mum was here at the time, and she was ropeable so I kind of shuffled her out of the arena before I told her the news. Um, but yeah, it, it took a little time to to sort of digest, and and then it was kind of you know we have to figure out what's next and. Yeah, unfortunately, everything just kind of shut down as as we were talking to other teams. And, you know, I almost went back to Europe at that point as well. So we were exploring all options and, and then everything just went to a standstill.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, There's a little story that I've heard, which I'd like for you to comment on, that after you unfortunately found out the news, you actually still made sure that you went out and spoke to a kid that was there to see you, could, which I think is a pretty amazing thing to do considering the news that had just been dealt to you.
2: Yeah, I I believe it was a make make a wish um kid that, that had come and, and, and got sort of the backstage um, um pass to, to you know post game and, and meeting players and, and you know, things like that. And here I am complaining about, you know, losing my job or or whatever and, and you know, this kid's fighting for his life. You know, I, I believe he was dealing with cancer and, and um you no, know, he, he's obviously had a lot tougher than than I have, so it's pretty easy for me to suck it up and and give him five minutes of of time, which is which is pretty precious to him, and um, hopefully leave a good impression for him um, about the the organisation and what the Mavs do, and, and and myself personally, and it really wasn't a big deal from from sort of my perspective to to do that, but but hopefully he he got a lot out of it and enjoyed his. Um, you know, time um, behind the scenes with the Mavs, and and yeah, it's it it's, uh, it really puts life into perspective about what's uh, what's important.
1: I know you've just been modest, but I think that was a pretty amazing thing to do. Um, I think Harper, you got a question now.
2: Oh yeah, um, like obviously
0: you're at the uh, Philadelphia now, so uh, moving from Dallas, obviously just out of the blue, like you said and obviously they're still they're not just going to stop existing and you might have to watch some of their games play against them even what's it like uh, kind of observing from the outside where you could have been is there any uh, like it could be totally reasonable if you were jealous or frustrated or angry at them or but do you have any of those feelings or have you got a pretty cool head in terms of that
2: I have the initial sort of you know frustration and and emotions and you know sadness that you just have to kind of move past it and there's no point holding grudges or, you know, being jealous of of teammates or anything like that. You know, life's sort of too short and you never know what happens in the future. You might cross paths with with someone that you work with or,
1: you know,
2: your your boss or or whatever it is. And the last thing you want to do is burn bridges because of, you know, you flying off the rails when, when you're emotional. So, you know, I look at it, from a, a big picture perspective, and the NBA is a funny business, so so anything could happen. Um, but yeah, was was very fortunate to be picked up by Philly, and, and was sort of down in Philly on my way to Orlando, and, and wife gets uh, gets COVID, and you know I have to sort of stay with her. She's she's got some underlying medical conditions, and is she okay now? Yeah, yeah, she's fine. She she oh, had yeah, pretty mild mild symptoms luckily but you know we we had a it was about a year at the time year old boy and and she wasn't well and sorry honey i'm just gonna sneak away for you know two months uh, you'll be right yeah. um, you know never really crossed my <laughs> mind so, you know we we uh had to take care of my family first and and that will always be my priority
1: so what are your moves i guess now are you looking to go back to philadelphia because i think your contract was if I'm correct, the same runs out at the end of the bubble, do you sort of know where you're at or are you speaking to a couple of different teams?
2: Yes, just speaking to teams, um, I guess just let my agent do do his job. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was very disappointing that the, the bubble didn't work out and I uh, would have loved to have joined Philly down there and, and, and hopefully, you know, being a, a piece to kind of help them, but that's just, you know, life and especially during this crazy COVID time, um, a lot of things sort of take a backseat to, to, you know, your your job or your profession. Um, so, yeah, we're just sort of waiting around um, for free agency to begin when, you know, they still haven't um, exactly announced it, but it's going to be sort of after the uh, NBA draft, which is in about two weeks. Um, so, yeah, just sort of waiting to hear from teams, working out to stay ready and, um, yeah, hopefully it's a it's a team year over in the states.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. i have actually. Um, I hope that you can stay at Philly just so that the accountant can team up with Daryl Mori, the analytics genius. I think that'd be a nice little crossover. That one.
2: <laughs> We'd have some uh, pretty interesting. Uh, we'll run some numbers by each other.
0: That'd be, that'd be cool. Now, mate, I, I hear you've got. Uh, you're a vegan, and um, that that's something that's interesting to both of us. And oh, I'm a vegetarian, but it's always been a bit uh, challenging for me personally to switch over to be fully vegan. So can you tell us about your reasoning behind switching to that diet and how it's improved your health and your performance and your mental health especially?
2: Yeah, we uh, we we're, were in Russia sort of um, killing time by watching Netflix docu- documentaries if I could speak um, and just, just watched a few of them and, things like what, what the health and, and a few other ones. And, you know, we just kind of saw how animals are, are treated and, and, and what, uh, what goes, sort of the process of um, how they go from, you know, being born and, and, and raised to, to end up on your plate. And just sort of, you know, weren't too thrilled with, with, it, with um, how that was and, and uh, sort of said, we sort of, my wife and I said to each other, sort of give it a go and, and we'll be, you know, um eaters of, of meat and chicken and fish and eggs and everything like that. So it was a, a, a bit of a, a change for us. But um you know when when you're overseas and you got some time on your hands, you're you're able to, you know, put time into to cooking and, and eating a lot at home. And um we were we were sort of we'll probably like 95% vegan, 100% vegan for um, probably about 18 months to two years. Um, and then my wife got pregnant and we had a baby, and um, that extra time that we had to sort of devote to to uh, to cooking and. and uh, yeah,
1: babies take up a bit more of your time than you ex-
2: <laughs> do. And, and, your time. Exactly. And, you know, I'm traveling a lot, of it and, and it's just um you know there there's more and more options becoming available but you know when you go out to restaurants it's it's very limited so you know we're we're still majority plant-based and we do most of our cooking at home and even when we go out to eat there's a lot more options available for us but um we're sort of not um if we do go out to say an Irish restaurant or there's a a really famous steakhouse here in Dallas that that we've been to. Like if we go there, then, you know, we'll allow ourselves to sort of have our cheap meals um, throughout the week or throughout the month just to kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of, you'd be sort of, yeah, it's just too hard to kind of buy in 100% and then if you do make a mistake, then you feel bad. So we're just kind of, playing it pretty easy and and very conscious about what we do eat. Um, I think dairy is a big, big thing we've sort of cut out. And um, from a a health perspective, we we feel great. And, you know, I've been able to put on muscle and and feel strong, get stronger, you know, eating a um, plant-based, living a plant-based lifestyle. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that.
1: Do you think it's improved your performance? Because I know that like Chris Paul, he's gone on the plant-based diet after I think seeing game changes and he – well, he had one of his best seasons, particularly, I guess, in, in the games played, and he thinks the vegan diet is the main reason for that. Have you felt a similar sort of improvement in your output?
2: Yeah, just, just less less sluggish, um, not just on the basketball court, but just in, in life in general. Um, a lot of those meals, meats and stuff are very heavy and, and take a long time to digest, and you just kind of feel lethargic. Um after those big meals where you know being plant based vegetarian vegan um you know it, it's a, it's a lot lighter and you can consume as, as much as you want and not have to sort of worry about having too many calories um you definitely can you know support all the you know I ke- I always get the question you know how do you get enough protein and, and things like that and you know what the the large animals that we eat what do they eat to get their protein they eat grass they eat leaves they eat green things um no, you know, they don't just magically have protein in them. Um, so it, it's 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 more so just, you know, being smart about what we eat.
1: No 20 bananas a day like Peter
2: Siddle? Oh, my gosh. Poor man.
0: <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the, like I'm vegetarian, but the struggle I've had, like if I wanted to go vegan, I couldn't. Like, I just wouldn't be able to cut out yogurt. I'd find it really hard because like I eat so much yogurt. Bloody delicious! The Greek yogurt. Oh, it's good stuff. But would you give any particular tips for someone that wants to go from uh, a meat eater to a vegan, or even a vegetarian to vegan? Uh, just cutting the stuff out and eat, like cold turkey, or what's your method?
2: Um. No, probably probably for for a lot of people, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn about when i make a decision if i go cold turkey as you say then then you know i'm I'm pretty good at following it and my wife's um very much the same so so we're sort of able to to go cold turkey um to begin with but i think the best probably option is to is to do a gradual decrease in, in whatever it is that you're eating excuse me whether it be meat or dairy um You know, eggs are very popular and things like that. So it'd it'd be more like a gradual, let's cut it down to, you know, eating meat three nights a week for dinner instead of five or seven or, you know, just just slowly cutting back. And when you get to sort of down no days a week, you know, I don't have cravings for, you know, burgers or steaks or, you know, chicken palms or whatever (laughs) it is um just
1: quickly you know, you, palmer you have, or palmy palmer yeah all right he's yeah. cool he's got on
2: <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah you 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 your body will will adjust and your taste buds will kind of adapt to the, to the new food you're eating and you won't have the cravings for 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 that other stuff and you know there are so many um meat alternatives now like we can still have burgers and we just have the Beyond Meat burgers, or the, um, the Impossible burgers, or um, we're not really big into tofu. Um, sort of soy isn't a huge thing for us, so so we do almond milk or oat milk. Um, we do coconut milk um, yogurts. That's a, an easy way to make the change. Um, coconut being pretty sweet, you know, it can kind of mimic the the taste of uh, of uh, regular yogurt so there's, there's so many alternatives that can help you sort of make that adjustment without you really sort of noticing too much um about the flavor or, or changing what you're eating so try some coconut yogurt um instead of regular or greek yogurt and, and just sort of see if you can just slowly make that change
1: now just quickly we've got one more question before we go to our famous quiz um, I think we skipped over it, but I wanted to speak about it. So your career high, 17 points against Golden State Warriors. With, was KD and Curry playing? Like That's pretty phenomenal. Do you want to tell us about that? Because I feel like we touched a lot about your hardships of your career, but you also had some real high points, like 17 points in the NBA, probably the hardest league to get into in the world in any sport. It's, it's phenomenal effort.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um You'd have to double-check about who was playing. I I definitely remember guarding Clay Thompson and just thinking this is going to be a fun night. Um, As for, you know, Steph and and KD, I I believe KD was playing. I'm not 100% about Steph. Um, But, yeah, uh, that was just one of those games where everything went right for everybody, and I think we won by 40 points in their home gym. And, like, it it was one of those games that... You look back, and you're like, how yeah, did everything just kind of click so perfectly? Um, so it was, it was, yeah, it's nice to uh, to get my career highs. And I, I think they were the defending champions as well. So mix that in. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before. Oh, I know it's the segment you
0: came on for, Ryan. It's our famous Where Do We Begin quiz. So, uh Ryan, I'm gonna be pitting you against Lockie. I've got five okay. questions that are very, very vaguely related to your career. And your name's your buzzer. And yeah, do you wanna start our five questions now? You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready Let's do it. Okay, so as I said, very vaguely related to your career. So what's your birthday just quickly, Ryan? August twenty
2: third, ninety
0: nine. Okay, and on, the question one is, on August 23rd, 1990, You Can't Touch This was in its last week at the top of the Australian charts. Who is the song co-written, produced, and performed by? Ryan. Ryan. MC Hammer. MC Hammer is absolutely correct. We started with an easy one. Ryan's one. for before your time, boys.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't know that one.
0: <laughs> you didn't know that? Jeez. I thought you'd be a, a music buff in terms of that kind of stuff, Lucky. But anyway, question two. This is the closest to the pin one. So, uh, of course, you play for Besiktas, as we mentioned before. Uh, they're based in Istanbul, closest to the pin. What is the population of Istanbul as of uh, 31st of December last year?
2: Ryan, I'm going to say, like, it's somewhat ridiculous. Maybe, like,
1: 15 million. 15 million. Lockie, what's your guess? Okay, so I actually have no idea. So I tactically let Ryan go first and I'm not sure if it's more. <laughs> you said 15
2: million and one. I'm done. I'm I planning I up. Actually,
1: I'm going to uh, go 14 and a half million.
0: Oh, geez. You've gone under, but it's over. So Ryan gets oh, the point. No. It's 15,519,267. Oh, you are kidding. So Man, yeah, I was very, very close. The, yeah, it's the 15th biggest city in the world. So Yeah, yeah. big city. It's busy. Not that's for city. sure. Yeah, of course. Um so, question three, another one related to your birthday. Uh, on August 23rd, 1754, great year, that one, Louis XVI, King of France, was born. So, you share a birthday with Louis XVI. Uh, so, uh, Louis XVI eventually died in 1793.
1: How did he die? Jeez, mate, <laughs> you haven't given me a chance, you you asked questions was a song about, in the 90s, a city about I've about never been to. <laughs> think
0: about the King of France. Do you, do you, any idea how the King of France would die at a pretty early age?
1: Uh, were they still burning witches Ryan. then? Do <laughs> <laughs> you say that, poisoned?
0: Ryan, is that your answer? Poisoned? It's, yeah, it's poisoned. It's incorrect. No. Mm. Rocky, do you want to have a crack? You're uh, saying he's a witch. Uh,
1: I'll say, hmm, gout. Gout is
0: incorrect. <laughs> he was guillotined. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not sure if that was the French Revolution. If there are any history buffs listening to the show, give us a message. I'm not sure if that was the same era, but uh, is it 2 uh, 0 Ryan? Is it? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That.
0: Okay, so question four. So the word broke uh, or B R O E K means pants in which language, primarily spoken in Western Europe? Locky. Uh,
1: I'm gonna say German.
0: German is incorrect.
2: Ryan, want to have a crack? Yeah, that's probably where I was going <laughs> um, to guess. I would say, I don't know, the Netherlands, where the name originates. Uh, yeah, well, the answer is Dutch, so you've got the point. There we go. Come Sweet. on, mate, I He's told you I for the name of Trump.
1: Don't <laughs> worry, mate, I'm, I'm clutch. I'm a bit like you in that semifinal. I get the last question right.
0: Okay, and (laughs) Lockie still does have a chance because question five is a who am I question. So I'm going to go from five points all the way down to one point with a series of clues, and once you buzz in and get it wrong, you can't buzz in until the other person gets it wrong. So we'll start with the five-point clue. I was born on July 17, 1954 in Baltimore, Maryland. I'll move to the four-point clue. Lockie has to get it here if he wants to win it outright. Uh, if he gets it at three-point, it might go to a tiebreaker. But anyway, for four points, I first gained recognition playing the role of Dr. Snapper Foster in the soap opera The Young and the Restless.
1: You really not looked after me here, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> got, got to make it hard on the early clues. Do you want Do you want to have a stab, Lockie? Yeah. Try to win it outright, or do you want me to move on?
1: Um, and yeah. I've got no idea. So, how old would that person be now? Okay. Uh,
0: this person would be sixty-eight,
1: mate. The uh, I'm just gonna go because he Charles Dance from Game of Thrones because I know he's old <laughs> that and he's an is actor. Incorrect, I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on to the three point clue. So it's Ryan. It's just you now uh, for three points. I set the Guinness World Record as the most watched man on TV. Uh, You could be in for a huge win here if you get it. Yeah, 6-0. It's a respectable margin.
2: Trying to think back. uh, Should I move on to to the two-point clip? Let's keep going
0: keep going i've worked as a judge on america and britain's got talent appeared in numerous films released triple platinum albums but i'm Lockie? most
1: is it simon Lock... Cow?
0: Lockie, i'm afraid you can't buzz in you've buzzed out mate you've already had your guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> i've released triple platinum albums but i'm most known for my work on a show that ran from 1989 to 2000
2: 1989
0: yeah 2000. Oh, should i move on to the one point clue
2: yeah if, okay. I, I thought it was Going to be something out too, But that doesn't <laughs> well, uh, he's, uh, he's, I don't think Yeah You know I what Okay, I'll let you Back in
0: It's a dead rubber So I'll let you Back in You can have a guess If you want For one point I produce And starred in Baywatch And I'm nicknamed The Hoff Hasselhoff <laughs> David David Hasselhoff Is absolutely correct oh. Lockie's got the point But It's a, still a Fairly hefty victory For Ryan It's 3-1 Congratulations Matt
1: oh, The better man won Thank you
0: <laughs> yep. One of the highlights Of
2: your career I'm sure
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Ryan. That was awesome just to have a chat and we really appreciate it.
2: Anytime, fellas. I had fun. Wow, how good was that?
0: What a cracker over an episode. Ryan Brockhoff, an absolute delight speaking with you, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, it was an absolute dream of mine for you to come on, Ryan. You know, I love the NBA, so to have an NBA player on of your stature was absolutely phenomenal. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's our first basketball we've ever had on the show, so it was an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Uh, but before we wrap up, Lockie, do you reckon it's time to plug the socials?
1: Yep, so you can find us on Facebook at Where Do We Begin.
0: Yeah, and on Instagram and Twitter. You should already be following us there, but if you're not, go there right now. It's at Pod. That is at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast, because that would just be enormously appreciated or even just by word of mouth recommending us to some mates. If you like the show, that would just be appreciated beyond words.
1: And yeah, and thank you to all the listeners for sticking around, you beautiful, beautiful people. We appreciate it so much that, um, for giving us all that support.
0: Yeah, if you've listened uh, to any of our episodes, especially this one, we absolutely love you for it. So thank you very much for listening to the show, this one, and all of the episodes that you've listened to. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next Monday.